Welcome to the Get Loved Up podcast. I'm Koya Webb, founder of Get Loved Up, where we inspire you to love yourself more, love others more, and love the planet more. Each week, I'll interview a special guest who will share their insights on how they practice daily self-care, tackle tough challenges in life, and thrive in the world one breath at a time. You will be inspired to take control of your life as you heal yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically, and create a reality in alignment with your deepest passions. Let's get loved up. Coop Lexton is the author of the national best-selling book, You Are the One, and is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development by everyone ranging from Larry King, Jack Canfield, Marianne Williamson, and more. He has been featured on Larry King Now, Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, as well as Inc. Magazine, calls him the mindfulness guru billionaire's go-to for advice. He's a charismatic visionary and transformational teacher who offers a fresh and bold look at spiritual awareness for a whole new generation. Born in Ghana, West Africa, Coot's multicultural upbringing as a child of a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father has spanned four different continents. His unique lineage laid the foundation for his approach to breaking down barriers and unlocking an individual's true gifts and greatness. His mission is simple to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. Coot! Oh my God, thank you for coming. Good Uh, to see you. I have been so excited about this interview because you have so much energy. (laughs) You're doing so much amazing work in the world. I'm just happy I caught you for a second. Yes, we finally made it happen. Finally. And we're matching. And we're matching. I had to. I was like, okay, I got to match his vibes. I got to. So, I mean, I really want to dive in because, you know, I've been following you for a while and just really checking out like what you're doing, how you're doing. You travel around the world helping people transform their lives, you know, and, you know, but it's really different than how you were going to start. Can you talk a little bit about how it was for you to have one expectation, growing up with one expectation Mm. for your life and choosing a different path? Yeah, you know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana, my mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. Uh, you know, from a very young age, I always felt a deep calling to serve people. I always wanted to impact people. I always felt this burning desire. And I didn't exactly know what it was going to look like, but my first memories as a young boy, uh, just to set the context, was I remember being a chubby kid in Ghana, West Africa, and I grew up seeing a, literally a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand. This man walks on, wipes on her face, and stands up. So I grew up seeing you know, these crazy miracles that were actually normal for me at the time. I grew up seeing these miracles, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing. The same man whose sand she picked up literally was my father. And so I was blessed to grow up in this environment. Uh, he had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. Uh, she was church in London. And so I grew up in this spiritual environment, and my father didn't teach me anything, but through observing him, I got to watch and I got to see and I got to just experience. And so when I was age eight, my father threw me in front of his audience and said, speak. And that began my whole sort of career, so to speak. But I was always very obsessed with trying to understand who am I and why am I here and what's the purpose of life? And so this was my obsession as a kid growing up. Uh, When I was 14, my father basically announced to his congregation, my son is taking over 
my ministry. And when he made this announcement in front of 5,000 people, I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this was not my destiny. I knew that this was not my career, so to speak. My soul was guiding me in a totally different direction. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I was too afraid to speak my truth. I was too afraid to tell him how I really felt. I was too afraid to say no, because I was afraid that if I spoke my truth, I would be outcast, I would lose love, I would be alone, uh, I would be disliked. You know, there was so much responsibility put on my shoulders as a young boy. And so I went along with it, you know? And, and so when I was about 18, I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path for my life. I could be successful by everyone else's standards, but if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my authenticity, and I had everyone's love, I literally had nothing, I'd be a failure. And the thought of that really burned me up inside. The thought of that was so painful, it felt like a soul suicide. And so finally, when I was 18, I mustered up the courage to follow my soul, follow my heart, and spoke to my father and just, with all of my, I was terrified, but with all of my, my father had all these expectations for me and I didn't want to disappoint him. And so I was terrified, you know, of, I just wanted his love. And so it was really scary. And sometimes we think we have to like overcome fear in order to follow our truth. I actually say, you can be terrified, feel the fear, and still take the action that is in alignment with your soul. Absolutely. And so I finally must have the courage to tell my father, I love you, but this is not my path, you know, and I need to follow my path. And he said, are you sure? I said, yes, we didn't speak for about two years. And that was that, you know, and it was difficult and it was challenging, but I knew deep down, Koya, that this was right. And I think that the last thing I'll say is I really think that sometimes we feel the deeper truth, you know? We, 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 there's a knowing inside of us. When we are out of alignment, there is a knowing, there is a sense, there is a gut feeling, there is a sensation, something feels off, whether it's in our body, whether it's because we're feeling pain or we're depressed. To me, these things are just signals that something is out of alignment. The challenge is we often don't listen to ourselves. I think one of the things that block us are really all the ways we lie to ourselves, all the ways we BS ourselves, all the ways we don't tell the truth, we rationalize, we pretend, we, we pretend we don't know when we really do know, we act confused and we play this game of confusion when there's a deep knowing inside. I think there's a part of us that knows everything because at the deepest level, we are everything. And so I had to ask myself the question, you know, how am I lying to myself? And I think that's a question I would ask everyone listening in. Where are you lying to yourself? How are you lying to yourself? What are you pretending to not know? Right. What is it costing you? Right. And I yeah. think, I think too, like you, you knew. You I knew. felt it was off. But as you said, your dad didn't speak to you for two years. So can you really talk about how that made you feel? Because I think everyone fears losing the love of their partner, yeah. of their parents, of society. Sure. And I don't think it's anyone's purpose like not to follow that intuition, but it's that fear of loss of love yeah. that will make some person, as you did for a couple years, sure. do the thing that you know is not really your thing, but you appease or you, know, you do I, what's expected of you. Yeah, I think the thing is, there's a deeper pain when you're being someone that you're not in order to get the love that you think you want. And then even when you get the love that seems to come your way by being someone that you're not, there's a deep pain because you know that the love isn't really real. So even the love you're getting by being someone that you're not, 
we can't even fully receive it because we know who people are loving is they don't really know who we are. So I think there's a deep fear of if I'm truly myself, if I'm truly my authentic expression, you won't love me. So we found all these ways to hide that. So for me, honestly, it was terrifying. I'm not going to pretend and say, sometimes people say, well, when you find your purpose and you follow it, life opens up. The universe is amazing. Everything is fluid. Everything is synchronicity. For me, it, that's when the challenges began. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes when you follow your path, the difficulties begin. And it was, it was lonely at first. It was challenging at first. I grieved a lot as a young, you know, 18, 19 year old kid. I was in tears. I was crying. I felt a little depressed because I felt like it's just me alone in the world. Yet I felt this vision. So there was a lot of, honestly, a lot of sadness in the beginning. But I looked into my future and I realized if I live a lie now, then my entire life and everything I do is going to be built on this lie. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to have to keep living this lie in order to perpetuate the life that I've built in order for people to love me. Right. And I realized nothing is worth, nothing is worth compromising my truth. Mm -hmm. So I say, if you want to find out who really loves you, if you want to find out who your friends really are, be yourself. And sure, you might lose, you might lose, some of the people in your life, some of your family members, some of your so-called friends, but the chances are the love they were giving you wasn't truly real or unconditional in the first place, and you might lose them, but what will remain is a sense of peace. What I had underneath it all, as difficult as it was, as challenging as it was, there was a deeper peace knowing I had myself, I had my soul, I had my integrity, I had my truth, you know, that I wasn't selling myself. There was a deeper peace. In life, I think we have two things. We have reputation and character. Reputation is what other people believe of you. And there's going to be, you know, you could be Mother Teresa. Some people didn't <laughs> like Mother Teresa. Some people didn't like Gandhi. They shot him. Some people didn't like Martin Luther King. They killed him. Some people didn't like Jesus. And they, you know, these people tried to do good for the world. Bruce Lee. You know, so not everyone's going to love you and it's okay. And so in life, you have reputation and character. Reputation is what everyone else believes about you. Character is when no one is around in the middle of the night, when it's dark and it's quiet. When you look yourself in the mirror, can you be at peace with yourself? Mm. To me, this is freedom. And so even though I had nothing, I lost everything. I, for me, my father was everything. I had a sense of peace, you know? And then I really do believe in my heart. When you follow your soul, my soul was guiding me, you know? When you follow your soul, the universe rises to support what is in alignment with itself. Mm -hmm. And... You have to repeat that. Yeah, when you follow your soul, mm -hmm. the universe rises to support what is in alignment with itself. Beautiful. So for me, manifestation isn't just thinking positive thoughts and doing affirmations. It's actually about clearing away everything that is not in alignment and bringing yourself into alignment because when you are in alignment, you are in sync with the universe, then the universe can support itself because you are riding the highest wave, so to speak. Absolutely. You know? and, and that's when things manifest, that's when things happen. And so for me, I wanted to, in my vision was I wanted to come to the US. I wanted to find teachers and mentors. I wanted to write books and go into self-help and spirituality and do what I'm doing and, mm -hmm. and meet mentors. And so uh, I chose not to go to university, which everyone was like, so shocked by, you know, right. I figured if I want to help people with life, I have to live life. And, and so I went basically against what everyone thought and how everyone thought my life should be. And what I found is there's no shortage of people who have opinions as to how your life should be. 
But when I looked around and, re- and looked at the people that were giving me advice, they all seemed miserable. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? <laughs> they all seemed miserable. Right. You know, and, and so I had a vision to come to the U.S., cut a long story short. The way I was supported was by fo- following my truth, I ended up winning a green card mm. in the lottery. And, wow. and, and that is what, I mean, in this crazy green card DV1 lottery where like 55,000 people around the world from millions of applicants get to win a green card. You know, I mean, I can tell you this story if you want, but when I won this green card. How is that possible? So one day I'm meditating, right? And I'm uh-huh. saying, God, God, you've given me this vision. To, I want to help people. I want to help millions of people. I feel it in my, it's beyond me. You know, I can't contain it. It's beyond me. And yet I have no money. I have no family support. My only person who supports me is my mother. My father's outcast. I have nothing. I have no college education. I don't know. I have no tangible skills apart from speaking and preaching as a kid, you know, and <laughs> I've left that behind. You can't leave me with this vision. I believe that our dreams chose us for a reason. We are the perfect person to fulfill those dreams based on everything we've been through. Our childhood, our pain, our trauma, our hurt, our divorces, our bank, everything we've been through has perfectly marinated us to be the perfect human being to fulfill our dream and vision. And so somehow I was engineered a certain way. And so I prayed, I said this prayer, universe, God, help me. I'm available. I basically had to surrender, like I surrender my life was the essence of my prayer. The next day, I'm, I'm like 18 years old, right? The next day, I'm in the library of my school and I'm sitting there Someone, literally the next day, someone hands me a magazine called The Economist, which I'd never read. I look at the back of the magazine. I'm feeling like something. Sometimes the universe gives you clues in different ways. And when we pray for uh, a sign, we better listen to the signs the universe give us. You know, sometimes we don't listen. We pray, (laughs) we're like, God, give me a sign. Then when the sign shows up, we don't listen. So I was very curious, why am I getting this magazine? So I start flipping through the back of the magazine. I see an ad. American government's giving away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery. My heart starts beating. <laughs> my, my, you know, my hands start shaking. And I felt this sense. Enter this. You're going to win. I always say when you get directive from your soul, don't just listen. Mm-hmm. Take action. Absolutely. Action is the manifestation of surrender. You know, to me, that is true surrender. And so... I applied. I put $250. I told my mother. She said, I'll support you. I $250 to this law firm in Washington, D.C. They applied for me. I was told, unless you're here by September the 18th. If you're here by, if you're here by then, great. If you don't, then just move on with your life. Mm. And I knew I was going to win. I was, I was visualizing the President of the United States shaking my hand. Well, I didn't know. I, thought, I really thought I was 18. You know, <laughs> I really thought he was going to shake my hand and invite me to the U.S. Uh. They said the green card was green. It was pink. <laughs> so I, I literally cut, cut out and colored a, you know, a green card, oh made it green goodness. with my name, put my picture on it. And every day I was visualizing it and I was seeing myself. Every day, nothing happened. No notification, no letter until September 18th came. I thought maybe today's the day. Universe will not let me down. Nothing. I was so mad, so pissed off, so frustrated. I packed my bags and said, I'm just going to go to the U.S., my mother said, you can't just go. I'm going. I don't care. I'm going in the next week. That night, I, we get a phone call. My mother picks up the phone. It's like 11, 11, 8, 11.30 p.m. in London. She says, it's for you. The voice on the other line says, is this Mr. Blackson? I said, yes. 
goes, this is Mr. So-and-so from the law firm that you applied through. I can't believe it, but you won a green card. This was like on the final day. Wow. And I was jumping around, Koya, I was celebrating, and <laughs> singing with my mother. And then I heard this voice, and it says, why are you so surprised? Mm. Did you not believe? Did you not trust? Did you not know? I was like, wow, yeah, I did know, but I doubted. And so I won the green card. You know, I came to the US with two suitcases, knew no one in the country, landed at Venice Beach when it was really crazy back wow. in the day. Now Venice Beach is really hip, but when it was really crazy, sat on the beach, had no idea where I was going to go, and cried for days. Oh. Days. Because I had no money, nothing, and I'm in this strange, weird land. But I knew I was on the right path. Mm -hmm. It was difficult. I think when you follow your path, sometimes that's when your challenges begin. Right. To me, those challenges aren't bad. That, that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong necessarily. I think when you're online with your purpose, the universe sometimes sends you challenges. Life mm -hmm. sometimes sends you challenges as your soul's preparation, the, the sort of mental, emotional, spiritual muscles to sculpt your soul to, so that you can be truly available, ready to be able to fulfill the dream and vision that your soul has for you. Look at Mandela, you know? Absolutely. 26 years in prison. That's called soul preparation. Mm. He had 26 years in prison to prepare himself to have the compassion, the patience, the love, the kindness, the vision to lead a country. That time was his preparation. He could not have become who he was without that challenge. And so I think we have to celebrate those challenges, embrace those challenges. Nothing's wrong. This is a blessing. Take those challenges as a blessing, as the weights and lift those weights. And I think when we learn the lessons that we're meant to learn in any given situation, then we become more of who we are. When we become more of who we are, we shift our vibration. When we shift our vibration, then we resonate with the next level of relationships, resources, and experiences because of who we've become. So I believe you don't have to fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. You have to become it, then you experience it. That's you know? beautiful. Yeah. That's be And let's talk about the love of your mother. I thought that was yeah. really beautiful yeah. that through this time when you weren't speaking with your dad, that yeah. you, you still had that love of your mother. How, how, what did that do for wow. you? You're going to make me cry. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm on the Oprah show. You're going to make me yeah. cry. I'm on the Koya show. Uh, you know, my mother... Her love for me was unwavering, mm. you know. I'm blessed. Look, no human is perfect, but I can say in my lifetime, I'm blessed to say if there's one thing I have experienced, it is unconditional love. Mm. She just loved me no matter what. When I told her I wasn't going to take over my father's church, she said, are you sure? Are you positive? She said, I just want you to follow your truth. I love you no matter what. And her love was unwavering. And I think for me, as a young boy, having that knowing of unconditionality from her was a foundation that gave me the courage, you know, without thinking, wasn't conscious, to leap. To really, I think one of the greatest gifts that a parent can give their child is not try to mold them in their image and likeness, but to realize that that child has been entrusted to them by the divine. Mm -hmm. and to hold the space so that child can fulfill its own soul's destiny. Right. And I think that's what my mother did to me. She just always just loved me and allowed mm -hmm. me. And we, her and I were so close. So for her to let me go at 18, <laughs> I think like 18, that was a kid. Mm -hmm. I was a baby. And she just, it was just me and her growing up. And she just let me go. 
Wow. And I think, wow, that, that was profound love. I've learned a lot through my mother. Uh, my mother passed away, I think, you know, about two years ago. And I realized my mother's greatness in the year I got to spend with her while she was dying. She had stomach cancer. And we were told she had stomach cancer. And I was flying back and forth from LA to London. She lives in London every three weeks to do chemos with her. And I'm telling you, Koya, for me, it's going to sound strange. It was the best year of my life. Mm. The most challenging, because mm -hmm. not like life stopped, but right. it was the best year of my life. I got to be in chemo treatments with my mother and hold her hand and talk to her for eight hours. Mm. Just about nothing and everything. Mm. And I realized I hadn't done this since I was 10 years old. Eight hours just looking at this one. Mm. and realizing, wow, and never once in that year did she complain, did she cry, did she lose her faith. She was smiling, she put her makeup on and, you know, go to chemo and, and be like, she looked at everyone and she said, why does everyone look like they're dying, you know? Mm. She, she was just alive, you know? Wow. And there the came a moment, and so it was a blessing for me. And I even told my mother, look, this is gonna sound strange, but the, even this cancer is a blessing. Because it has, like, it has brought us together in such a way. And my only regret was like, geez, why did I wait? You know, why did I wait for something to happen, for some challenge to happen? You know, always in retrospect, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a beautiful regret because it's inspired me to like not wait. If there's something, you know, you want to say, say it. Something you want to do, do it. Somewhere you want to go, forgive it. Like, we don't have time. None of us know. I thought my father was going to go first. So when the doctors told us, uh, Mrs. Blackson, uh, the chemos aren't working. Basically, in a kind of way, you're about to die any moment. Mm. It's not years. I'll never forget, we went out of the doctor's room and we sat in the, in the lobby of the hospital. I mean, this is death on your doorstep. And I looked into my mother's eyes and I said, uh, are you afraid? She said, no. I know I'm not this body. I know I'm not this form, I'm a soul. This body is just a temporary vehicle. It's easy to say that when, you, when we're fine, you know? Right. But in the moment of death, when it's happening, her faith was unwavering. This body is a temporary vehicle and my soul is eternal. I'll be with you forever. Mm. And I said, is there anything I can do for you? This, this shows you who she is, you know? Is there anything I can do for you as your son? She said, I, no. I said, what do you want? She said, I just want what God wants for my life. I realized in that moment the true greatness of my mother that I didn't know. I realized in that moment that I was with a kind of enlightened being, you know, in a very humble way, because what made her great wasn't her title, no one knew her, you know, wasn't, she wasn't on TV, she didn't have an Instagram account, Facebook profile, make YouTube videos. She was totally surrendered to the divine will. Mm. She was totally surrendered to God's will, the divine will, whatever you wanna label it, she was totally surrendered to that. And I really believe because of that, she was free, free. And I realized through that process that surrender is the, is, is the password for freedom. Mm. Many times we live inside of our ego 
And the ego wants to do whatever it wants to do, whenever it wants to do it, however it wants to do it, however many times it wants to do it, with whoever <laughs> wants to do it, because I'm free. But then we just don't realize we're just becoming a slave to our desires, our sexuality, our mind, our, you know, our conditioning, our wounds. We're just slaves running programs from the past. Right. But to truly surrender to what our soul is seeking to unfold through us, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Jesus, Buddha, is, I think, what makes all of the great ones great. And I realized her greatness was in her surrender. Mm -hmm. And in her surrender, she was able to just be love. And she, this woman was so much love. And for me, I realized through that process of her death, of a year of just being with her, it was a teaching for me, you know, in the real essence of what it is to be free. She was truly free. I mean, free because she surrendered herself to that which was bigger than herself. And so I realized that the deeper I go now, it's gonna sound strange, the deeper I go in myself, in my spiritual path, the less choice I have, mm. the more free I am. Mandela didn't have a choice. He, he could have resisted his destiny. Mm -hmm. He could have said, I'm not gonna go to prison. I'm gonna, eh. But what if he didn't go to prison? Would he have been there? Martin Luther King didn't have a choice. I mean, he had a choice, but didn't have a choice. I think many times we're resisting. We resist, you know, what is the bigger impulse that's seeking to happen because we have this idea of the life we think we should have. Many times we're setting goals based on who we think we are, which is based on our conditioning. And I say, you might get everything you think you wanted only to realize, is this it? You know? Right. And, and so for me, the f there's a freedom in letting go of my ego's idea of what I think I want and who I think I should be so I can surrender to something bigger. And often, I think life, when we surrender, reveals a bigger life than our little mind can even imagine. This brings up a really, really um, exciting question. Kind of been circling around the internet and social medias. Do you then believe in free will? Okay, I'll give you my perspective. So the degree to which we are conditioned, I feel, is the degree to which we really don't have free will. We really don't, if because then we're just living out programs, patterns, generational patterns. We're often living out those impulses from our childhood, from our generations, wounds, pains, what have you. We're in reaction to things. And so it, when we're living in reaction to things based on our conditioning, how much free will do we really have? If you look, you know, if all of us, if we look at our past relationships, I mean, we've all had some crazy relationships, right? <laughs> Me included, everyone put their hand up, we've been there. If you think back to those past relationships, as a simple example, and you look back and go, what the hell was I thinking being with that person? <laughs> we weren't thinking. How free were we really? You know, were we really choosing? Truly choosing, we thought we were choosing, but were we really choosing? Not really, you know, and so, look, to me, I, I want to talk about one thing real quick in terms of conditioning. When we're born as children, I think we're born quite free, truly in touch with our essence. A child will jump on the table and sing and scream and shout. A child will smile. A child like you, Koya, will just love people, you know. <laughs> but as we get older, what the hell happens? We, we end up contracted and disconnected and we feel so much love, but we're not free to love as fully as we want. We're not free to manifest our potential. So that's not freedom. We have superficial freedom. Oh, I can go eat this, 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 this 
banana or I can go eat this McDonald's. I mean, that's superficial freedom, but it's not a real freedom. So we all feel this love inside, this depth inside that often isn't manifesting because it's trapped inside of our conditioning. So as children, we're, we're these free beings and we're born into this environment. What happened is we're born, we meet our parents. Our parents are just doing the best that they can do based on their life, their programming, their upbringing, their conditioning. So we're all born into some level of pain, hurt, divorce, experience, trauma, abandonment, you know, emotional neglect, you know, maybe abuse, whatever the experience is that might be traumatic on a high or low level, right? As human beings, we're born into an experience. So we're born into this experience. Two things happen that begin the conditioning process that disconnects us from our freedom. Number one, we learn all sorts of ways unconsciously to shut down, disconnect, not feel. Mm. So that we don't have to feel the pain of my alcoholic father who's screaming and beating my mother all the time, or my mother who's crazy, or, and she's psychotic, or, or, or you know, my, my brother who's you know, a drug addict, whatever it is, we learn all sorts of ways, survival strategies to disconnect, shut down, not feel. We slowly, as children, start learning all sorts of ways to shut down our pain, our hurt, our sadness, our resentment, and we start, it starts building up layers inside of us that start disconnecting us from our free, our, our soul. So that's one thing, right? The other thing is we go out into the world and we start learning all sorts of ways to, it's kind of this sense of who do I need to be in order to be loved? Oh, my dad says, I'm, I'm loud and funny. My dad says, shut up, be quiet. Children, you know, not meant to be heard, just seen. Be, you know, be quiet. For me, I learned to be the nice guy. The, the perfect son, the preacher's kid, the responsible one, the pure one, you know, these were all my, so we start learning all sorts of roles, personas, developing all sorts of limiting masks in order to fit in, be loved, be approved. We hold tightly onto avoiding pain and getting love, validation and approval. And we start contorting ourselves into a certain shape that becomes me, we think. This version of ourselves that we've been conditioned to be is who we really are. And we say, no, Koya, this is just who I am. And now, based on this, we do our relationship, we make our choices, we set our goals, you know, we live our life, you know, and we think we're free. But we don't realize that much of our behaviors are based on this conditioned pattern that is not free. It's just a conditioned version of ourselves that we've developed ourselves to be to function and survive. It's a protection mechanism. It's survival. So the degree to which you are conditioned is the degree to which you don't have free will, even though if you superficially think you do have free will. Wow. And so we have to become aware of, and I think the degree to which you can start unconditioning yourself is the degree to which you start opening up to true free will. Okay. And true free will to me is not to the ego personality. True free will is to that which is free. And that which is free is the essence of who we are. Mm -hmm. And the essence of who we are is pure consciousness, which is always free to begin with. Mm -hmm. But most of us are li making little choices based on the superficial rather than, uh, you know, we have to go through a process of peeling away the layers first by becoming aware and becoming conscious, feeling some of the pain, releasing these layers so that we can tap into the freedom of our being, mm -hmm. which is always free. And I think when we're able to surrender the ego, and the ego is a conditioned identification to past programming, pain, trauma, hurt, Feel, feeling emotions and personality that we think is who we are, we are not free. Mm -hmm. To me, real freedom is the surrender and going beyond and the transcendence of that. So we tap into our soul, 
our beingness. And then I would almost say being, allowing ourselves to be lived mm. by that impulse of life. And I look at the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, you know, these are people that didn't necessarily like, yay, I have free will. I'm going to do whatever I want. Martin Luther King, on a surface level, he just wanted to live a nice life, right. you know, with his kids. He didn't want to be the leader of this civil rights movement. He resisted it. His personality resisted it. And so that resistance is not freedom. He could have said, no, he could still be alive today, you know, and have go on vacations and have a nice life. And he could have resisted it. Is that true freedom? Is that true free will? I think the real freedom he accessed when he says, okay, I surrender, I let go, and allowed his soul to lift him and guide him. And, allow, and that's when I think we tap into grace that allows the universe to fulfill itself through us. Right. You know? And so it's, I think it's a different definition yeah. that we get to open up to and a different relationship. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like as different people, we all have that idea or concept of like what free will means to us. And you speaking of awareness, just awareness yes. of what you're choosing in your awareness, where do your challenges lie? As you mentioned, we all have challenges. You're a great speaker. You sound amazing. You're mesmerizing, <laughs> captivating. But do you have challenges? None. I have not known. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what are they? Look, I think at different, honestly, at different stages of my life, there have been different challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when I first came to the U.S. in my early 20s, I was mad at my father. Didn't even know I was mad at my father. I had issues with opening my heart. Didn't even know that. You know, there were things around feeling, fear around feeling abandoned, you know, and feeling alone. I was a kind of constant chameleon being who people thought I wanted, you know, a being who I thought people wanted me to be. And mm -hmm. so there's many things I've had to evolve through, through my own healing process. Mm -hmm. I think more and more, honestly, after having done a lot of work, in this moment, for me, uh, one, one place I am still, I think, learning and growing into is allowing myself to really, like, receive. Yeah, I'd say receive. <laughs> you know, to receive to receive, to receive love, to receive support, to be, because I want to do it all, you know. I want, I, th there's a place in me that it's easier just to like do it and give and, and be the one versus, oh, oh, like to let you give to me, to let you, like, I came into your apartment and you're, you said you just moved in yesterday and <laughs> it looks perfect. <laughs> I'm like, jeez, this is amazing. Me, I've been in my house for a year and four months. It looks like I just moved in. There's four boxes, there's the table. Because, you know, for me, it's like uh, to, to receive help is my growth. Mm. And so that's something I'm, 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 I'm working with, you know, and I'm growing through. It's just part of my, my process. Are you ready for the best year of your life? If you are, join us December 28th through January 4th for our New Year's Manifestation Retreat in Bali. Sign up at KoyaWeb.com and get ready to bring in the new year with music, dancing, meditation, yoga, and more. You deserve the best life has to offer. Join us in Bali and set the tone and raise your vibration for your most epic year yet. Let's get loved up in Bali. 
Thank you for sharing that because that's something that I used to struggle with as well. And for me to ask for help, See, to go. be in Egypt and ask for help was a huge, it was a huge growth because I'm the same giver, yeah. lover. Yeah. But I realized that even the lovers need to be loved. Yeah. But it takes a realizing that, you know, it's okay yeah. to be vulnerable. Exactly. It's okay. And so... I'm going to be no, calling on you. Yeah. Be quiet. Call me. I need some help. Please. Can you uh, come and help me, me unpack? <laughs> yes, please. Because unless you open up that of box, course. then can someone really love you and of feel course. you? And like you were saying before, allowing yourself to be loved, it goes back yeah. to that, what you experienced when you were younger. Of course. The conditioning. Yeah. You know, for me, you know, my dad wasn't around as much. And so it's like... I got this, so rather than feel the pain of being disappointed, I'll just be independent, do it myself, right. you know? And so I just became the independent one because then if I'm independent, handle my own needs, I don't have to feel the disappointment and the hurt and the neglect. And so, mm -hmm. and so you know. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes there is disappointment. You'll call on someone and they can't make it, you know? And, and I, I know how that feels, that rejection, that disappointment. Yeah. But then for all the times that you call on someone and they say yes, and you move, I move into this place, and here I come from the airport, That's and fine. five of my friends yeah. are carrying things from one house to the other. Amazing. And Amazing. after we were done, I just sat in my bed and I just cried. Because it felt so good just to be supported and be loved. Mm. After I just led a seven-day retreat, Amazing. went through all these hectic things, but at that point, I was like, I need help. I wanted to move the move-in day back. They said, no, you have to do it on this day. The day you get back, you get in at three. <laughs> Got to be done by nine. Yes. And I was like, I picked up the phone. I need help. There you go. Calling the troops. And, and they came. And it just felt so good. That's beautiful. And so now moving through that, <laughs> as, you, as you guide and as you're like, okay, I know that I want to receive love. Can you share with us a little bit when and I know you said with your mother, yeah. that's when you felt like, you know what, this oh, yeah. woman loves me yeah. unconditionally. Yeah. Have you felt that other places in your life? Like I have felt that. My, of course, there's been friends who I felt that from, and friends mm -hmm. who I do feel it from, and you know, or sometimes all over the world, and you know. But but mm -hmm. yes, there are people in my life I do feel that. Mm -hmm. I am blessed to say yes. I have a few really deep friends that. I know they got me. I know right. they love me. You know, I know, I know they see me, love me. I, like, I could kill somebody, which I'm not going to, but, and they would <laughs> still come to the prison and visit me and say, cool, you shouldn't have done that, but we're, you know, we're not going to forsake you. So I feel, I feel really blessed. That's beautiful. Yeah, That's really beautiful. Blessed. And if someone is struggling, you know, like with the same thing, like, you know what? I'm trying to do this on my own. Yeah. I've been abandoned by my family. They don't get me. They don't understand me. I don't feel loved. I don't feel supported. Mm -hmm. What is your advice to them? You know, I think firstly is, because I felt quite different growing up. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, my father's from Africa, so I was black. My mother's Japanese, so I'm kind of Japanese. Now I'm living in London, so I'm kind of British, but I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not kind of Japanese, because I go to Japan and I get kind of some weird looks, and I go to Africa and like, well, you're kind of weird, but you're kind of us, you're not. Then I'm in America, you're like, well, you're not exactly American. So as a kid, and I was a chubby kid, so I was fat, you know, got rejected by all the girls, everyone. I was rejected by the, the sports team. So I was a weird kid. I was an outcast, you know. I was not accepted. I wasn't popular in a certain sense. And so um, that was part of my path, you know, and it was really... 
painful feeling there growing up. And, uh, you know, one thing I, I will say is it's a blessing. For me, it was a blessing because the rejection and the pain and not being understood and being outcast and being teased on some level made me humble and made me more compassionate to humanity and people's pain in a way that maybe if I was the popular soccer kid and what have you, maybe it wouldn't have been the case. So it gave me an understanding of my own pain, but also an understanding that everyone is in pain and everyone is hurting. And sometimes people will say things that are hurtful, but hurt people can only hurt other people. And they're coming from their hurt too, you know? And so I think I look back at the blessing of the misunderstandings and the pain now. And, I, and I'm really grateful that it happened because now I'm able to have compassion realizing we are all, all in such pain. And when you strip it down to the core, we all want the same things. We all crave the same things. We all need the same things as human beings, black, white, green, orange. You know, whether you're a billionaire, whether you're someone living in Skid Row downtown, whether you're a mother, whether you're, we all, have the same fears and insecurities. Maybe some people have dealt with them. Maybe some people mask them. Maybe some people cover them up. And so as I, you know, as I was a weird kid, I would read, I would meditate. I had these visions of speaking to people and audiences. No one understood this crazy African, Japanese, British, you know, chubby kid. Nobody understood me. And what I have to make peace with is not everyone will understand you. In fact, not everyone is meant to understand you. In fact, you have been given your vision. You have a vision. You have a dream. You have your ideas because they're meant to be yours, not anyone else's. And if everyone else were meant to like really understand your vision and get your vision, they would be the one who were given the vision and they're not. That's why you, me, you are the visionary. And so trust that vision. Trust that you have been given that vision for a reason. And just because no one else sees it, doesn't mean anything's wrong. It just means you're the one. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's why I said earlier, everything that's ever happened to you mm -hmm. is perfect preparation. Everything that's ever, I, I like to say the divine chef has been cooking you right. and marinating you with every experience as a part of the ingredients in the soup that is you preparing to serve you to the world. Mm -hmm. And so look back, bless those people that didn't understand you. Because those people that didn't understand me or didn't get me forced me to dig deeper in myself, to understand myself, <laughs> because myself was all I had, you yeah. know? And, uh, you know, I really do think, though, if everyone understands you and loves you, you're probably doing something wrong. Mm. Because if you're up to anything big or great or unique in life that's different in any way, game-changing, mm -hmm. not everyone's going to understand. Yeah. They call Gandhi crazy. They killed Jesus. They got, you know, they call Martin Luther King crazy. Mother Teresa, Elon Musk. Of course. So if everyone likes you all the time, probably doing something wrong, probably compromising some part of yourself. So it's okay. Mm. I think to truly be free, what I found on my path is, and it's been, honestly, it's been a journey. It didn't just happen. Mm. I had to really start accepting all of who I was. Mm -hmm. And I really had to also start accepting all of who I wasn't. Right. and make peace with who I am and who I'm not. But in that process, stop comparing myself with others, you know, and really mm -hmm. make peace with, this is who I am, this is a, it's like art. You look at this work of art, it's different. You look at that work of art, it's different. Mm -hmm. None better or worse, 
Every work of art is its, its own unique expression. So I believe we are, as human beings, each seven billion divine works of art. It's been a process, but it's helped me as I've been living my path and living my journey. And it hasn't been easy as someone who wanted to be liked all the time, wanted to be connected all the time, was I've had to unplug myself from two things, from people's negative opinions. Mm. People's criticism, negative opinion. I mean, I might listen to criticism and see if there's anything, is there anything valuable there that I need to check myself right. so I can grow and improve. But people's negative, negative stuff or their criticism, that's what, unplug myself from that. Do you delete comments? Are you no, just no, no, like, no, no. I, I have to unplug myself them. from that. But I've also, and I'll explain what I mean, I also had to unplug myself from people's positive comments, mm. from the positive and the negative. Because when you, when you attach to the negative and you attach to the positive, you're not free. Mm. I think true neutrality, when you can observe it, appreciate it, acknowledge it, but realize none of it is about you. When people comment about you or express about you or talk about you or have opinions about you, what I found is it reveals more about themselves than it does about you. People will see you and view you based on a projection of their own conditioning and consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so they don't often aren't really seeing you. Many times they're seeing through the filter of their own conditioning. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful either way. And so what I've learned to do is not take it on. I can observe it right. and let it be, but not take it on and identify with it either way. Mm -hmm. Because if you identify with the good, then you want more of that good. And then that can restrict your ability to just be loved. When you step back and observe, it frees you up mm -hmm. as a human, as a leader, as a game changer, someone that wants to make it, it frees you up to not be attached. And in that non-attachment, you are free to love. Because now your love isn't dependent on, she said something nice. Mm -hmm. That love isn't dependent on, this, this guy didn't say something nice and now I'm right. not going to love. It's like your love, you, you, it frees you up to just commit to love, mm -hmm. to love and be loved no matter what is happening in the duality of life. I absolutely love that. Yeah. To love and be loved, not attached to the positive or the negative. That's the negative. like complete release of the ego. <clears throat> that's the freedom. You know, that's freedom. the freedom. That, yeah. is, that is so beautiful. And I, I'm definitely, I think that's something that I even have to practice more because right. I do, you know, you look and see, how am I being received? How is this video doing? How is this podcast? How are these things that I'm putting my energy into? Like, you know, you, you ask yourself, how are they doing? You know, and it's hard, especially when you're looking for the feedback in order to improve. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it, you know, very challenging to like disconnect yeah. from others' opinions of, you know, what you're putting out. Um, but I know and I feel the growth in being able to say, you know what, I did this. This is my contribution to the world. Yeah. Let the chips fall where they may. You, you, you know, one thing I would say, because I know, you know, wow, you're impacting people and through yoga and meditation and spirituality. I mean, I'm so proud of you as a human on the path, inspired by you. I'm so blessed to call you my friend. Damn it, we don't get to spend enough time together. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great that we're here, you know. And, and, but really, I, I really see you inspiring so many amazing people. But one thing I would say that's helped me may help you, may help those listening, is to really know where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. To be clear where you're coming from. And to commit, to really be clear in your commitment 
to, to two things. Doing your absolute best. Mm. That's it. People may not know. They may not see. Because people are always going to judge. She didn't do that. He didn't do that. <laughs> and that, and that. But if you know you spent two weeks preparing and you gave your best and you left nothing behind, then you will be at peace. Mm -hmm. You will be at peace regardless of what people say because you will know you gave all. And that's all you can do. So we cannot be attached to the result, just attachment to, if there's an attachment, be attached to making sure you give everything. Most of the time, people don't give everything. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, I find a lot of peace in, there's nothing else I could have given in the I seminar. There's nothing else I could have done. With the, I did my absolute best. Mm -hmm. I can sleep at night, you know? Do say, your best. Say what you want. The other thing is, I always ask universe, more and more, my prayer, especially after my mother passed, my prayer, at least within myself, has become, use me. Mm. Divine, God, universe, like, use me to do your work. Mm -hmm. And so, then it's less about me. Like, let me do this so I can look cool or get something or mm -hmm. just, I am here at this event, this weekend, this yoga class, this whatever it is, to do God's work. That's it. And when my focus is truly on, I'm here to do God's work, then it's not about, will they like me? Will they? Obviously, we want to add value. But right. when you're already doing God's work, you're going to add value. You it know? is what it is. But it's not for like, let me say that and get a, get a, get a response and, and I feel good. It's just, God, you, for me, my prayer when I speak mm -hmm. in front of an audience, because you know, sometimes an audience, oh, you know, a little few nerves. It's like, God, I just want to be used for your highest good. Please use me as your vessel to do your work. Use me as your vessel that people are touched. Use, use me however you want to use me. And for me, over the years, that has freed me, mm. you know, to just show up. Mm -hmm. Then it's not about me. It's not about the ego. It's just about the purity of the loving, the transmission, and the blessing. And that's when I think, you know, magic, look, even Jesus, and there's not to get religious here, but you know, I think there were many great masters in different religions over time. Jesus was one of them, you know, he never said, yeah, 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 yo, everybody, I'm Jesus. <laughs> you like my miracles? What do you think of my miracles? Is that a cool miracle? I turn water into wine. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. you know, if, if Jesus had Instagram now. Look, the water into wine, look. No. Mm -hmm. He said, it is not I that does the work, mm -hmm. but the Father. So he knew who it was that was really working through him. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, he wasn't attached to the identity or the ego around it because he knew who it was. And I think when we know who it is and we surrender to what it is that is functioning us, what it is that is breathing us, this great intelligence, it makes us humble. Mm -hmm. Because you realize that what comes through you, you know, is not just you, it's not just coot, it's not just koya. It is it's grace that is right. bigger than you. And, and, and so then we are in service to that. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I mean, I think that's beautifully put because a lot of times, especially, you know, in the social media, instant gratification world, oh, people yeah. get caught up with that. Yeah. And that desire, whether, like you said, be positive or negative, it causes anxiety. For sure. Because once you put your worth <clears throat> in the hands of someone else, 
then you're like a puppet. Puppet. You know? Slave. Yeah, you're like a slave. And therefore, you have no freedom. Yes. But when you just do the work, as you said, not attached with how people receive it, because how they mm. receive it depends on their own conditioning, then you will truly be free. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. just It's profound. not about you. Yeah, you that's know? profound. Yeah. Absolutely. And so... As you're moving, you're working, you're traveling, um, you have all of these, you know, people all over the world looking to you for advice. What do you think, you know, before you got your green card that was pink, you know, <laughs> if you could have done anything else, you know, had any other choice to do anything, is there any hobby or passion, uh, anything? Would have done instead? Or? Not would have done instead or that you could see yourself doing other than what you're doing now. Just okay. for fun. Uh, uh, for fun, for fun. So, so we'll answer the question two ways. Mm-hmm. For fun, for the fun way, you know, I wanted to be a soccer player. Mm. I was pretty damn good. I mean, I was, <laughs> if I say I was really good, I had a lot of potential. I tried out for a lot of professional kids teams. And I had this vision of being a soccer player. I wanted to be like Maradona or like Pele or, you know, like some of these guys. And so I, I was really passionate. I would kick the soccer ball by myself on the wall for four or five hours practicing. Mm. I was training, I was running 16 miles on a weekend, just, you know, like training like an athlete. And so I really wanted to do that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I had a unreasonable, so how, what's the word? Um, there's a word. Basically, I wanted to be a, a singer as well. But right. I, I can't sing, so that was like <laughs> an unrealistic, you know, a vision. Mm. The other thing is a Formula One driver. You know, that mm. was, I'm really into Formula One because there's a presence that it takes to drive a Formula One car that any moment of not present, any moment, a second of not presence, you're dead. And so there's something about that that for me is very profound as a spiritual path. Any moment of not presence, your mind might just hijack you, you know? So something about that I love. So that's the fun part, but honestly, I didn't really have a choice if we're gonna be honest. I didn't have a choice to be doing what I'm doing. I had to do this. It wasn't my decision. It was my soul's decision. And it might look like I kind of could have, could have, sort of, but it had to be the way it was. I had to have the father that I had. You know, as a kid, I would sometimes, you know, my father would just randomly, without preparation, throw me in the audience. Just throw me in the audience. For a kid, that's a little nerve-wracking, you know? (laughs) Even if you're kind of good at it. And I used to hate it because I was always nervous. And I look back now when I'm on stages. I was just on a stage, you know, two months ago. And the speaker asked, uh, the, the, the guy who hosted it asked four of the keynote speakers. It was me, it was Michael Beckwith, a few other people. said, uh, I want you to be there on the first evening because I, I, him, is going to do a little intro. And uh, he didn't do an intro. He just threw the speakers on the stage. And uh, some of the speakers were like, ah! Oh my God, a little impromptu, you know? And it's just, for me, it was normal because this mm. is what I live. So I realized everything that happened in my life was just preparation. Mm. My father, even that, even that experience that was kind of like frustrating and I had to kind of, when I got older, do a little therapy around it. But even that was perfect mm-hmm. because it perfectly prepared me to any moment, if I have to jump on, to any moment, I'm ready, I'm ready. I've been trained, I've been prepared for my unique, you know, soul's journey and so it's a blessing you know i mean look i was a kid where 
we didn't have a lot of money, so we lived behind my father's church. Mm -hmm. And I would sneak into my father's, as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old kid, sneak into my father's church with the lights off, hundreds and hundreds of cheers. And as a 10-year-old kid, three, four hours a night, people don't know this from age 10 to age 18, I would give seminars to mm. the empty chairs, imagining souls of people around the world smiling and laughing and transforming. And I'd be speaking with passion, sweating more than I'm sweating <laughs> in this part. I'd be sweating you know, for hours, crafting my speeches and talking and giving seminars. And I'd read books on, you know, Marianne Williamson and Chopra and all these people and Wayne Dyer. And then I would give seminars kind of based on some of this stuff. And I was preparing myself. So I have tried when I came to America to do other things. I tried selling cars. I love cars. I tried selling cars. I just needed money. Hated it. I tried, you know, working in a restaurant. I tried all these things, but it was not in alignment with my soul's natural progression. Mm. When you fight your soul's, because many times we think we should be this. I think I gotta be the next Will Smith. I think I gotta be, you know, like that. I think I gotta be Beyonce. When your soul is actually not meant to be that. I know people who think they should be business people and business people who think they should be rock stars. And so we must flow with our true soul's nature. When we flow with our true soul's nature, then nature will rise to support you. And so I didn't have a choice. On one level, I didn't have a choice. On one level, I had no choice. And I think that's the freedom is to surrender to the impulse. So, so for me, it's become, life has become less about what do I want? Make my goals. What do I want? My goal, I want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, put it on post the board. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna force it to happen. I'm gonna, make, yeah, you might force it to happen, but you will live a somewhat good and limited life. Mm -hmm. A great life is when you let go and you open yourself to something bigger. The same intelligence, Koya, that is functioning the sun and the stars, and the moon, the same intelligence that is breathing seven billion people, the same intelligence that is, you know, you ate maybe, I don't know, an acai bowl this morning or something, <laughs> you know, and I had a little toast, and, and the, it's digesting. How is it that this acai bowl, or this toast, or this banana, your finger doesn't turn into a banana, your foot doesn't turn into an acai bowl? Because there is an intelligence that is functioning all of existence for billions and billions of years. It knows, I really believe, it knows how to fulfill itself through you and I if we are willing to get ourselves out of the way. So my question more and more has become less about what do I want? I, as in the limited I sense of ego sense of me. What do I want? And more about what does life want? What, what, what does life want through me? What is life seeking to express through me? And to, to, to learn to become still so I can open myself to feeling my soul and how it wants to express. Because I think the soul knows, mm. even when the mind doesn't. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the mind thinks it knows, but the soul knows. So I think real greatness and a truly great life is not about making it happen, but opening to what's seeking to happen and allowing that. And so that's more and more how I feel. And so it feels like I have less choice, even though I run around, I'm busy and I do. It's not, I'm not, it's not like I'm just sitting there on the couch doing nothing, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm, my actions are more, I think we must have our actions more be in alignment 
with that deep of impulse. Right. Yeah. And so you do a lot. You have a lot of energy, and I absolutely <clears throat> love it. But when do you get loved up? When do you chill? And what do you do when you chill? When do I chill? When do I chill? Oh, he's like, I don't what, know about chilling. What, what is, chill? What is chill? <laughs> I just got done last weekend teaching a two and a half day seminar. And I, and I literally, we did the count. I, I spoke, and taught, spoke and taught for 34 hours in two and a half days. Wow. Two and a half days, Friday evening. And so honestly, I mean, not to sound cliche, I do get a lot of energy from what I do. Because mm. it's when I feel, it's why it's not a job for me. It's not a career for me. It's, it's a calling. I, I, I feel more alive, you know. I feel more alive, do, like sharing with you. I feel now, more alive too. You know? What am I going to do? Just sit and sit on the beach? I mean, it's nice. I, uh, quiet, this is going to be a funny story. One time I had an idea. People said, cool, how do you just chill? Oh, I'm going to chill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be so chill. I'm going to go to Thailand and chill for nine days. Okay, here's what happened. I flew from LA, true story, years ago. LA to, to Bangkok, Bangkok to Koh Samui, Koh Samui to Koh Phangan, where they did the full moon party. <clears throat> so I plane, 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 Koh Phangan, caught, a, caught a, 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 a little taxi around the other side of the island, taxi, another boat to a remote part of this island. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I am gonna chill. I'm proud of myself. I'm gonna chill. I arrive, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. I go for a little run. I jump in the ocean, it's now 11. The hell am I gonna do now? I, 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 I was so chill, I thought, I'm chilled out, I'm done. <laughs> True story, within 36 hours, I was on a plane back. Oh my God, no! <laughs> I couldn't, you know, in all honesty. So I, I say it to say, I really get so much aliveness from sharing. And, and look, do I watch movies? Of course I watch movies, you know. What's I your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Doctor Strange, I love Doctor Strange because oh. it had such a message, so well done. Hector's Search for Happiness, obviously things like The Matrix, you know, movies that are kind of inspiring in nature. Yeah. Always love that stuff. So love movies, love Formula One, love exercise, love travel. I love traveling and getting lost. So in terms of fun, these are fun things. And so, but I, I you know, I get so much fun from, from being of service. More, look, I've done a lot of things in my life. I've been mm -hmm. places, I've done things, I've bought things, I've experienced. I mean, I've had so many experiences that I'm blessed as a human, as an ego, as a person, that more and more, especially after my mother passed, I just want to be as used, you know, mm -hmm. by the divine as possible. As much as humanly possible, I want to be used so that when my time comes and my day comes and my number's up and this body dies, because we will all die. I don't care who you are, me, you, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, we're going. Oprah, we're going. Bill Gates, we're going. We all have the same amount of time. And one day, 86,400 seconds is all we have. It's guaranteed. And so at this stage of my life, I just want to be as used as possible to do the work I was put here to do, to fulfill what I'm here to fulfill. To me, that's fun. You That's know? amazing. Yeah. Sounds like fun to me. It feels like fun. <laughs> I love I love talking to you. Yeah. I can talk to you all day long. And I want you to just share, I guess, basically what people can do. They're sitting out here. They're motivated. They're like, all right, I'm going to do my thing. I'm, I'm motivated and I'm ready to go. And they're like, rejection. No, nothing is happening. They go and set up events. No one shows up. Uh -huh. You know, that's the reality. No one shows up. Uh, no one likes what they have to say. 
they've done all this work, they've done all this <clears throat> preparation, but they get here and they're like, why can't I be like, cool, why can't I have this success? Why can't, why is it not working for me? That's the biggest question that I get. How did you make it work? I felt the alignment. I followed all the advice. Why is it not working? You know, I did an event many years ago when I first started. People don't realize. And two people showed up to my event. Two. One and two. That's me and you. Two people came to my event. I promoted it. And this is before social media. and everyone. I promoted my event. I promoted it. Promoted two I was going to use a curse word. I'm not going to use it. Two damn people showed up to my event. I'm, I come out in the audience, and there's two people there. One of them is my friend. Mm. And she brought someone. <laughs> and this is my, when my life changed. I said to her, well, I guess, you know, let's go home early, maybe go get some food. And my friend said to me, Koya, no. She goes, I got in my car. I paid my gas. I paid my, my, my parking ticket to come see you speak, and I brought my friend. And I promised my friend some inspiration tonight. And you want to go, but no one's here. We're not no one. Mm. I was like, whoa, I started crying. That's a good friend. That's a good, she said, we're not no one, That's so we, we want what we came for. Mm -hmm. I had to check myself. I said, okay. And I went on stage for the next three hours for two people and spoke my heart out. Her friend was crying. And I realized that if you are in it for yourself, if you're in it for, for the attention, if you're in it, you know, I'll be honest, I think a lot of people now see people like you, see people like me, see people on social media, and they're like, oh, I want to be famous. I want to have fans. I want to, and a lot of people aren't in it for the right reason, which must be to serve. Mm. Say it again. You must be in it to serve, not to look sexy, not to have Instagram fans, not to, da, 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 but to truly serve another soul. Because then you realize the privilege it is to have the opportunity for another soul to be in your yoga class, to entrust you with their life and their evolutionary path. It is, this is not business, this is not numbers, this is someone's evolution. It's a privilege that will humble you. So for me, because I've never been in it to get famous or make money and, and, and all these things, I've been in it to serve, is why I don't give up, is why I've kept going, is why many years ago when no one was around, I was practicing and preparing and doing things that no one ever would know about, but it was, it was almost so in private, I was being victorious, so in public, now it's gotten more revealed. Mm -hmm. But when you're truly in it to serve, that motivation, then, then your motivation is much less dependent on the result. Sure, have there been moments of disappointment? Yeah, have there been moments when I felt like, man, I wish that had been more that or that had reached more that. And, and you know, I feel it, I acknowledge it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop me because I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's the first thing. We must be committed to service. Second thing for me that I would say is we must really reevaluate our definition of success. Mm -hmm. We define success today in our modern world, the money you have, attainment of the goal, uh, your bank account, Instagram followers, Facebook followers, this, that, that, the metrics of what you can see, which is the material goal, the material goal, the fulfillment of the goal. 
But I believe that we incarnate as souls because into this human experience because there's lessons that we have to learn. Mm -hmm. And so to me, life is not about the fulfillment of goals. Life is, the success in life is about the degree to which the degree to which you learn the lessons for which your soul incarnated into this existence. Mm. And every experience, every dream, every relationship, every experience, whether it works or it doesn't work, whether you make the million dollars or whether you don't, whether it succeeds or... The, the, the question is, did I grow? Did I evolve? Did I learn the lessons for which my soul came into this experience to learn? Did I learn the lesson for which my soul started the business? So your dreams are really evolutionary in nature. It's not about the attainment of the goal. It's about who you become in that process and learning the lessons. And regardless of the outcome, whether three people showed up, 20 people showed up, you built that business or not, did you grow? Did you evolve? Did you become more of who you were? To me, this is the key. And so there's a couple of reasons, you know, to, to wrap up the question, why maybe dreams don't happen or things don't fulfill. The first one is sometimes we th what we think is our goal and dream. Mm-hmm. It's really not it. Mm. We, we think, oh, I'm supposed to be, you know, like Reese Reith Witherspoon. I'm supposed to be like Koya. Not everyone is supposed to be Koya. Not everyone is supposed to be Oprah. Not everyone is supposed to be, but we are supposed to be what we are supposed to be. And so sometimes we set goals based on our ego thinking, oh, I want that vision. I want that life. I want that thing. So some, the first thing, sometimes dreams don't manifest because the dream and vision you have is not the most authentic expression of what your soul is truly here to do. Mm -hmm. And so it not happening is not a rejection from the universe, it's grace. Sometimes you not achieving your goal is grace. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing where well, you, you might look back and go, thank God that didn't happen because I would not, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone deeper. And so then we have to step back and course correct ourselves and go deep and go, what is the truth? What is real? The second thing I think is sometimes it's just timing. You know, sometimes things aren't meant to happen in certain amounts, certain timing yet, because the universe isn't ready. And when I first met with, uh, when I first was thinking of launching a book was in 2010. Met with a publisher, timing wasn't right. Mm. Five years later, built some things, went with Simon & Schuster, boom, things went to that next level. I'm thinking, oh, shit, what if I went with the first publisher? It, it would never have been what it could have been. So yeah. sometimes it's timing and learning to trust the divine timing of the universe. Mm. Everything has a season. Mm -hmm. And the third thing really is, if life is about lessons, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we don't progress to, to that next level of manifestation because there's still certain lessons that we have to learn where we are with who we're, we're with, that because we haven't learned it, we have not yet unlocked the key, the door to the next level of life. So you can't run away from the lesson. Right. You can run away, you can run away, you can change relationship, you can change your hairstyle, you can change, you know, your diet, you can change all these things, but you can't run from the lesson. So learn the lesson where you are, when you are, with who you're with, mm -hmm. then you actually unlock the key to the next level and you transcend that level, then, then you earn the right, so to speak, for that next level of success. And so that's why I would say keep mm. moving. Keep so moving. amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much. I could talk with you all day long. You're yeah. so inspirational, you so me. motivational. And just let people know where they can find you. Where people can find me is two, two places. Uh, obviously, social media, you know, mm -hmm. Instagram, Facebook, just my name, Coop Blackson. Uh, CoopBlackson.com, K-U-T, Blackson.com. One of my events in Bali is BoundlessBali.com. They can find me there if they Tell want to Tell me about Bali before we end this. Before we end this. Tell me about Bali. Why Bali? 
For me, Bali, I used to do a lot of uh, transformational stuff. People can read about in my book in India. And uh, India's crazy, it's amazing. I've been there 38, 40 times. <laughs> uh, but when I went to Bali for the first time, I felt the feminine grace just wash things away. And I was guided to create a 12-day transformational experiential seminar training uh, in Bali that was really designed to be immersive in nature, but also take people through a deep dive, you know, transformational process that would strip away layers of conditioning. You know, for, for me, it's one thing to understand, but information alone is not enough. So how do you strip away those layers? So I take people through a 12-day journey in Bali. And to me, Bali is the seminar room that I use to take people through a deep dive. And really, it's, it's for those that you feel a calling to make a difference in this lifetime. You feel ready for that next level. And mm -hmm. so I use Bali as that space that is designed to help people strip the layers away, connect to themselves, release the past, and kind of catapult you forward, like really catapult you forward in living your vision and dream and manifesting your future. So that's, that's Boundless Bliss Bali for you. I love it. <clears throat> awesome. Well, thank you so much for thank coming. So we much. just throw a little love at the community. We'll make uh, a heart. There you go. Until next time, love yourself, love others, and love the world. Get loved up. Hey, podcast listeners, this is Koya here. And if you're enjoying this episode, I have a feeling you're going to love my new book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. Here's a quick glimpse into what's inside the book. You're going to get a step-by-step -step guide and workbook with daily mind and body exercises in every chapter. You're going to get tools to identify and transform your fears into unbreakable strength. You're going to learn to manifest the life of your dreams by aligning with your highest vibration. You're going to revitalize your health and raise your energy with the healing practice of yoga and meditation. You're going to shift your negative thoughts to positive affirmations so you can attract the people and things you really deserve. You're going to find your passion and purpose by connecting with your authentic self and inner guide. When you pre-order my book, you will also get my 10 fierce meditations to go with each chapter. Make sure you order it for yourself and also make sure you pick up one for a friend as well. Spread the knowledge, spread the love, spread the fierceness.